0: Alabama. So I think I failed as a Texan. I I mean, I went to UT. I thought someone would have some Longhorn blood in them, but somehow I failed in that regard. But, um, you know, my family, I love them so much. They uh, are a part of me. They make me part of who I am. And as a dad, over the years, I've learned to kind of love the things that they love. So sports, soccer. I've been to so many soccer games, soccer practices. I'm a soccer dad because my kids loved it. And I find that the longer I'm married to Stephanie, the more things I love that she, she loves. Like I'll find myself loving the things she loved when I, I didn't. Uh, she hasn't convinced me and converted me on everything she loves, but I I love a lot that she loves. And I would say all of us here, we've gathered as the church this morning um, because we love God, right? We love God. We've committed our lives at some level um, to him. We've trusted in Jesus as our Savior because he died on the cross for us, and we love him. And the longer we get to know God, the more we love what he loves. The things that are on his heart, they are on our heart. We want to know what makes him smile, what brings him joy? And and that starts to bring joy in our hearts too. So let me ask, what do you say? What do you know? What, is, what does God love? Well, we sing a lot of songs about God's love. But the question is, what does God love? Well, he loves me, right? He loves you. He loves all the little children of the world. God loves a lot. But what does God love the most? What is the thing that's On his heart the most. Well, it might sound a little strange to you, but I think I can show you through Scripture what God loves the most is his own glory, his own fame, his reputation, his worth. So God loves that because there's nothing better, right? There's nothing that exists on this world that is better than God. So it would be. Weird if you and I loved our own glory more than anything else because we have all kinds of issues. But God is perfect. He is the best. So it makes sense that he would love his glory the most. So glory is one of those words that um, we got to be careful with because it kind of can start being a religious word and religious words start meaning nothing after a while. Glory. What is glory? Well, I want to show you in Scripture, but uh, glory is basically worth, significance, weight. God loves His own glory because His worth is matchless. There's nothing that compares to God's glory. So we're gonna we're gonna talk about that today. And one of the things I love about Bethel, and I've been we've been at Bethel for many years, is we usually take a chapter, a book a verse, and we go expositorily through books of the Bible. So we're taking a pause from 1 John today. We normally are, are proceeding through chapter by chapter, but today we're going to take a step back, and we're going to get kind of a, a panorama. Every now and then it's helpful to do that. So it's, it's the best way, I think, to study Scripture is, is chapter by chapter as we go. But when you take a step back, sometimes you can see things you can see threads, you can see themes that kind of unite the whole Bible. Those golden threads of God's word um, bring, us, bring a, a, a clear picture of what God's about. So that's what we're going to do today. And we're going to see how God's glory is the most significant thing. It's the purpose. It's the golden thread that ties it together. So, Uh, We're going to start off and look at a bunch of different verses. So most all the scripture will be on the screen, so you don't have to flip through. But look at Habakkuk 2.14. The prophet Habakkuk says, The earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. So the the prophet prophesying the glory of the Lord, that knowledge is going to cover the earth. It's going to fill Everything. And we know if you skip all the way to the end of the book in Revelation, Revelation 7, 9 says that um, after this I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all the tribes, peoples, and languages standing before the throne and before the Lamb. So there are going to be worshipers from every people before the Lord. So why is that important? Why do we care about that? Why does the Lord want worshipers? It's because his glory will fill the earth as the knowledge of him is lifted up by his worshipers from all over the world. So this is not a new idea. It's not an idea that only shows up a few places in scripture. His glory filling the earth is a reality that starts in Genesis at the very beginning. And it makes its way through every book of the Bible and it's woven all the way through Revelation. God's glory among all the nations. So um, before I read this verse, I want to just tell you um, this: the question that is in the Westminster Catechism, right? The question is, what is the chief end of man? It's the first question in the, in the Westminster Catechism. Catechism is what a, a lot of traditions use to help educate and raise their young people or new people. Um, converts to, to faith. So the, the, the question is, what is the chief end of man? What is the purpose of man? The answer is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. The, to glorify God, that is the chief purpose of man. And John Piper would say it this way, that God is most glorified when we, as his followers and worshipers, are most satisfied in him. So there's this tie, this link between God's glory and our joy, our satisfaction. And God knows that's what's best for us. So when we glorify God, when we are on that same track, that brings most satisfaction to us as we are lifting and glorifying God. So um, the golden thread, as we are going to start in Genesis, and I'm going to cover a bunch of scripture but just a little in brief snippets. And so I want you guys to see this golden thread of God's glory among all the nations so that the whole earth will be filled with his worshipers. The whole earth will be full of you and me, people giving glory to God. So let's look at Genesis. We're going to start. So Genesis one twenty-eight. this is before the fall, right? This is before sin entered the world. And what does God tell Adam and Eve before anything? He says, Be fruitful and uh, increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. So the concept that God is telling Adam and Eve at the very beginning is fill the earth with worshipers. Fill the earth because there's no sin. Adam and Eve, they walked with God. They talked with him. Their hearts were um, in communion with the Lord. And so what he wants is the earth to be filled with worshipers. He wants People from every corner of the globe worshiping him. Well, we know that Adam and Eve, um, well, they didn't do all that they were supposed to do, right? So sin entered the world and things go bad very quickly in Genesis. And and very soon we have the flood that um, God wipes out the population of the earth because they weren't worshiping him. Tells Noah the same thing twice just to make sure that he gets it, right? So God tells Noah, man, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. He tells them again, be fruitful, multiply, team the earth and multiply on it. So as Noah and his family come out of the ark, what is he saying? Man, fill the earth with worshipers. Fill the earth with people made in my image that are uh, able to bring glory to him. So this is God's plan from the beginning, that the earth would be filled with worshipers. Well, it only takes another chapter, Uh, later we get to um, the bad crashing again. So we get to Genesis 11, and we hear about the story of Babel. So you guys know the story of Babel. God just told Noah, when you come out of the earth, scatter, fill the whole earth with worshipers. But what happens at Babel? The people come together, and they say, in chapter 11, verse 4, they say, come and let us build a city and a tower uh, with its heaven, with its top in the heavens, and let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. So you see what happens in Babel. Just a couple chapters after Noah comes out of the ark, God's given a clear direction: fill the earth with worshippers. And what does the people at Babel? What do they say? They say, "Man, let's not be scattered over the whole earth. Let's come together. Let's build a name for our. So we're not going to glorify God. We're not going to exalt His name." We want to make a name for ourselves, and we uh, we don't want to be scattered. So then what does God say right after that? Genesis 11, 8, God says to Babel, um, the Lord scattered them over the whole earth. He confused their language in uh, chapter 11, verse 8, and they stopped building the temple, and they were dispersed over the whole earth. So this is chapter 11. God is serious about his glory, his reputation across the whole earth. So we're in 11 chapters into Genesis. And have you seen the thread starting to be built? I mean, he told Adam and Eve. He told Noah twice. He dispersed Babel. And then we come to chapter 12 in Genesis, the Abrahamic covenant. This is where God picks Abram. And you know what he tells Abram? Let's read it together in Genesis chapter 12, verses one through three. This is the, uh, the Abrahamic covenant. Um, the Lord said, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. So Abram went as the Lord had told him. So do you get that? All the families of the earth. So God's still on the same plan. He wants the earth to be filled with his worshipers. And he now says to Abraham in chapter 12, you are going to be the avenue by which all the earth is going to be blessed. And and really, we see this, you know how that promise is fulfilled. This is God telling Abraham that in his descendants is going to come one named Jesus who through Jesus, all the earth is going to be blessed. So God promises to Abraham that his vision is going to be fulfilled. The whole earth is going to be full of his worshipers. So let's um, keep cruising. So he not only tells Abraham that, but he repeats that to Isaac, his son, and to Jacob, his son. So the same blessing, the same promise, the same vision, the same golden thread is uh, continued and repeated to Isaac and to Jacob. And Jacob, we know, uh, his other name is Israel, right? Israel, Jacob is the father of the 12 sons. Um, and we know what happens if you guys are in your Bible story, right? They all end up going to Egypt. God's doing some amazing things. And uh, just in case they forgot, when they get to Egypt, things go uh, bad. They're all enslaved. But um, God, as He is getting ready to deliver them. He raises up Pharaoh for this purpose. And so I want to read to you guys Exodus 9, 16. Um, God tells Pharaoh that he raised him up for this purpose, this very purpose, that I might show you my power and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. So here we are to Exodus and Pharaoh, and God says he raised up Pharaoh for the very purpose of displaying his power and showing that his name would be proclaimed in all the earth. It's the same thread. It happens there. As God brings them out of Egypt, he does all the miracles, all the plagues, all the wonders that the Israelites saw, and they're out wandering around in the desert. And you know what they do? They start, they build golden calves. They start um, not honoring and not glorifying God. And so God is frustrated, right? He's done everything. They've seen all of the wonders that he did in Egypt to bring them out and to bring them safely towards the promised land. And they have forsaken him. They are worshiping golden calves. And so God is ready to wipe them out. In um, Numbers chapter 14 verse 21, the Lord's going to wipe them out and Moses is pleading with God to protect them. And Moses, um, but God says this, but truly as I live and as all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord, none of the men who have seen my glory shall see the promised land. So the Israelites who are wandering around the desert, God doesn't wipe them out, but he says they are not gonna see the promised land, but his glory is going to fill the earth. It's the same golden thread. So now we are into Numbers Deuteronomy, God tells the people if they carefully observe all of the decrees and laws, the Ten Commandments have come, that that will show their wisdom to all the surrounding nations. So again, God is about showing his glory and about his glory filling the earth. Well, let's just go through some of the familiar Bible stories that we have all heard. And so let's start uh, David and Goliath, right? A familiar story. We all saw it on flannel board uh, as little kids. So David and Goliath, you know what happens. Goliath is out defying the armies of the living God. Uh, David walks up bringing some snacks to his brothers. He hears this. He says, no way. No one can speak about my God that way. He grabs I'm abbreviating so story, he grabs some stones, he hangs out, he slays Goliath. And you know what David says? He says this. Um, let me, oh, 1 Samuel 17, 46. The whole point of him slaying that is so that the whole world will know that there's a God in Israel. The whole world will know there's a God in Israel. So let me ask you, the last time you taught David and Goliath, our read it, did you see the same golden thread so, yes, he slew a giant. Yes, he did um, all the things that David and the Goliaths, uh, that story teaches us. But the point is that the whole world would know. The same, the next, uh, David's son, Solomon, he, he, God, God visits him and says he will give him what he wants. He says, I want to be wise. And God makes Solomon the wisest man in the whole world. And you know what he says? that people from all nations they will come to hear the wisdom of Solomon and from all the kings of the earth they would come so god's golden thread of his desire for worshipers to come from all over the earth um, it keeps showing up two other familiar stories real quick let's talk about shadrach meshach and abednego a great story, right? You guys remember they um, are out there and all of a sudden everybody is supposed to bow down and worship um, King Nebuchadnezzar. Um, so again, King Nebuchadnezzar, they have the Babylonian empire. They have conquered all the known world. All the Israelites have been taken into captivity. Um, this is the kingdom on the earth, the Babylonian empire. And What happens? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they said, we're not going to bow down. Our God can save us. Even if he doesn't, we're not going to bow down. Well, Nebuchadnezzar, he looks in and he says, hey, weren't there three guys? It's heat up the fire, seven times hot. The guys throwing them in die. But they're fine. They come out. And what does Nebuchadnezzar say? He says this, um, in trying to... uh, Thank you, Chris. Daniel 3, 28 and 29, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Um, Nebuchadnezzar says, I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against God, and it goes on to say will be torn limb from limb and all this kind of bad stuff. But the point is, Nebuchadnezzar, the empire over the whole Babylonian kingdom, he writes this decree that All the people of any uh, nation or language. So he's conquered the known world. But he says, everybody within my kingdom, you are going to know that there is a God. And that's the God of the Israelites. He still wants the whole world filled. And then the same thing with Daniel in the lion's den. A few chapters later, um, now the Persian Empire has conquered the Babylonian Empire. So the Persian Empire is run by Darius, King Darius. Um, Daniel's in an exalted uh, position in the kingdom. And Daniel um, is a faithful prayer, right? So we tell the story. He prays. He goes in in front of his window. He prays faithfully. Well, his friends, uh, not his friends, his enemies try and trap him, and they get Darius to sign this decree that no one can pray to anyone. But Daniel prays faithfully and You know, the lion's den, God saves him out of the lion's den. And then Darius writes a similar decree, right? Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations, and languages that dwell on the earth. He issues this decree that they must fear and reverence the God of Daniel. So again, it's the same golden thread that all nations, all peoples, every part of the world, they would know and honor and give glory to God. This is the golden thread. Um, if we skip forward to the Psalms, there, did you know a, a one-third of all the Psalms refer to God's heart for the nations? God's heart that the ends of the earth will be praised. So there's a, a familiar verse, uh, Psalm 46.10. It says, be still and know that I am God. Probably you could have finished that, right? If I would have just said, be still and know, that," I, that's a common verse. But that's not the whole verse. The rest of the verse is, Be still, know that I'm God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in all the earth. So us knowing God, us um, reverencing and fearing him, it is for the nations. It is for his exaltation in all the earth. So another one of my favorite psalms that we'll just read uh, to make the point is Psalm 67. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine on us. That your way may be known in the earth. Your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon the earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. So God's heart is that all nations, all peoples, everyone would know and fear him. And he even says in the beginning, he will bless us and make his face to shine on us. Why? That your way may be known on the earth. your saving power among all the nations. So God's purposes, his agenda, the thing that he loves the most, it's the best thing. And that is that the earth would be full of the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. Is there anything better than God's glory? No. It's the single most wonderful, most excellent. He is um, He is preeminent. He is above all. As we know him and worship him, we get to make him known among the nations. So I could keep going, right? We've covered a lot of scripture. In the golden thread, it keeps living. Uh, it, we haven't even gotten to the New Testament, but it is throughout all of scripture. So, the goal is worshipers among every nation. That's, that's the objective. So how are we doing? Let's ask ourselves the question, in 2020, how are we doing? How, how How's it going having worshipers from every nation? What's the status? Well, how many people are in the world? Do you guys know that? 7.8 billion, a little more than 7.8 billion people in the world. And that's a lot of people trying to make... Uh, every one of those people know God and to exalt him, that would be a big task. But thankfully, we can organize those people into groups, people groups. And the way we organize people groups is by those that speak the same language, they live in the same area. Culturally, they have the same uh, traditions and and, um, ways of doing trade. So people groups is a subset, a way to organize all the billions of people on the earth. So 9,800 different people groups in the world. Um, If you take those 9,800 people groups and you divide them into the countries that they live in, because sometimes a people group may live in an area that different countries divide up that people group. And so if you divide the people groups by the number of countries they live in, that's where you get this big number, 17,400 people groups. So of that, over 10,000 of those groups, man, they they are, they are have worshipers. They have the church. Um, God is being exalted in those. So that's great news. Over half the people groups have Christians in them, worshiping God, glorifying him. But that leaves 7,402 in what we call unreached people groups. So these are people groups that don't have Many Christians in them. Some of them don't have any Christians in them. So that population of unreached people groups, um, it's 3.25 billion, 42% of the world. So in 2020, this is today, this is where we live, 42% of the population of the earth is unreached. And what that means is they aren't glorifying God. They aren't worshiping him. They're they doing the same thing that they did at Babel or before the flood or the empires of the earth. They are not exalting and glorifying God. So um, let me uh, just ask you to imagine this illustration. So let's say um, that you are hired, you get a big job, you get a big promotion, and you get hired as the vice president in charge of global marketing and promotion for Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola bottling company, right? So, big company. You have, um, as the vice president of global marketing for Coca-Cola, you have a big budget. You have thousands, you have millions of dollars. You have thousands of employees that are all underneath your leadership as the vice president. So, your job, your task as the vice president of global marketing and promotion for Coca-Cola is to give every person on the planet the opportunity to drink a cool, refreshing Coca-Cola. That's your job. That's what you get paid the big bucks for. So how would you go about doing that? Your job is to give everybody on the earth a chance. Now, you don't have to force everybody to drink, but you, you need to give them a chance. So you would probably pull all, you probably would have like, your director of the Americas, your director of Europe, your director of, you bring all your directors in and you'd say, All right, where do we not have Coke being drunk? Where in the world is there no Coke? And then you would say, Okay, here, let's focus. Let's figure out how to spend our marketing dollars. Let's send our best people. Let's get a Coke in the hands of people in this area where there is no Coke. I mean, if you're doing your job, I think that's the strategy you'd take. Like, where is there no Coke? Let's get Coke there, right? Well, Coke has been around for a long time, over 100 years, and and actually it is in almost every country in the world. Coca-Cola has done that. That was their mission, and they have Cokes all over the world. You can be in the middle of Africa, and you can uh, see all of a sudden um, a donkey pulling a cart with Bottles of Coke on the back, right? So Coke has made it around the world for the most part. I think there's like two or three countries, um, really, for political reasons that have rejected it. But if we ask that same question as followers of Christ, where in the world is he not glorified? Then we would look at a map, something like this, right? So the earth um, has people groups. So, if you can uh, see this next map, the progress of the world by gospel proclamation. So, the green parts of the earth, those are the places in the earth where the church exists, where there's a significant number of people worshiping and glorifying God, right? The places that are yellow, um, the church is nominal. It's growing, um, but it's not yet green, right? And the Places that are red, this is where most of the unreached, the least reached people live in the world. In that area, you can see it's kind of uh, from Africa all the way across to Asia and Japan out there on the end down through Indonesia. That section of the world is called the 1040 window. So the next map will show you the 1040 window. It is the areas of the world Um, that are between 10 degrees latitude and 40 degrees latitude. That's the reason it's called the 1040 window. So the lines of latitude, they run sideways, 1040, and most of the world's major religions are in that zone, right? These are the countries that are red on the other map, but they're not in a vacuum, right? These people that live in these countries, um, they've been deceived, right? They are following Islam. They are following um, Buddhism or Hinduism or communism they've they've been told that there is no god so the challenge for us to take the gospel is to realize that this is this is where there's no coke right this is where the church isn't this is the missionary question how can we help people in these regions glorify god how can we be obedient to that golden thread we have to figure out how to work there and god makes it possible right so if you remember in Genesis uh, chapter 12, God says, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless you so that you can be a blessing. All the families of the earth are going to be blessed through you. So here's, a, here's a, a bit of information for you. If you earn your household $50,000 a year, $50,000 a year, that puts you in the top 1.5% of all wealthy people in the planet if you make $50,000 a year. If you make $30,000 a year, that puts you in the top 4.5% of the most wealthy people in the earth. So, And we've been blessed with finances, for sure. But we've been blessed um, by having the church, right? We've been blessed by having Christian radio. We've been blessed with access to the internet where we can... Um, see and receive so much biblical teaching, so many resources and Bible studies and Christian music and all the things that we need, um, we've been blessed. We've been given gifts. And you know, the interesting thing, the scripture says the gifts that we've received, the blessings that we've received, that's not for us. We've been blessed, but it's not for us. 1 Peter 4.10 says each one has received a gift. Everybody's received a gift. Use it to serve one another. The gifts that you've been given, they are for other people. So here's another fact. God has always been about sending people out. He's, he's a sending God, right? God sent Abraham in Genesis 12. We've read about that. God sent Jesus, John 3.16, everyone's memory verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He sent Jesus to the earth. He tells us in Luke that he's going to send the Holy Spirit after Jesus went. He sent out his disciples. He sent them out two by two. The Father is ascending God. He's sending people. He told Adam and Eve, fill the earth. He wants worshipers from every corner of the globe. Well, not only is he sending them, he sends us. There are five different commissioning statements in the Scripture in the New Testament. These five statements are the Great Commission in Matthew 28. Says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. That's the great commission, right? He's told us as his disciples to go make disciples of all nations. Mark 16, 15, it says, Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole of creation. So God, He is sending us. He sent His disciples, He is calling us. In Luke 24, verses 45-47. It's the commission there. Repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations. John 20, 21, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Jesus is sending his people to the ends of the earth. And then Acts 1, 8. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So there's a bunch of ands in there, right? Ands. So in your English class, and is a conjunction. It doesn't say you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, then in Judea, then in Samaria. It doesn't say you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem or Judea or Samaria. It's and. So somehow we, as his followers, are supposed to be taking the good news of the gospel to the ends of the earth and where we are, locally and globally simultaneously, both of them. So um, one thing I want to say, oftentimes I hear I'm talking to people about that 1040 window, I'm talking to people about God's glory to the ends of the earth, and they'll all hear things like, man, there's so much to be done right here. There are so many lost people right here in East Texas. There's so much that needs to be done right here. So what do we do about that? How do we care about what's right here, and care about what's going on in the earth. That's the opportunity we have as followers of Christ. So go back to the Coca-Cola illustration real fast, right? Man, I bet on your way to church this morning, you probably passed about 10 other churches. We have a great Christian radio. uh, We have Christian bookstores. We have plenty of organizations and ministries to help with what's going on right here. And we do. Bethel is engaged. Last week, we talked about fostering, right? And we talked, we talked about refuge of light again to this morning. And there are so many things locally going on where we are engaged and we need to be engaged. But it doesn't stop there, right? That's not the end. That's one thing that we get to do as followers of Christ. But we also get to care about what he cares about. We get to care about his glory to the ends of the earth. Well, I want to tell you guys that uh, and I'm wrapping up here. So John 4:23 says that there is an hour coming and is now here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is seeking worshipers. It's the same golden thread from the beginning. He told Adam and Eve, he told Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, all the way, Daniel in the lion's den, we covered all of that. But God is seeking worshipers to worship him in spirit and truth, both locally and globally, simultaneously. So how do we do that? How do we, as people sitting here at Bethel Bible Hope Campus, what do we do? Well, I'm going to propose that there are five habits, five practices, five things that every Christian disciple can do. All of us, as followers of Jesus, if we are serious about making his name known, we can do these five practices. Uh, These practices are what I call world Christian habits. So here they are, these five things everyone can do. I'm going to hit them all five, then go back real fast. Pray, send, Welcome, go, mobilize. All of us can do those things. So, what do I mean by pray? We can, and we know it's most effective. When we are sitting here, we can pray for what's going on in our neighborhood, at our workplace, with our kids. But we can pray for our missionaries. We can pray for those at the ends of the earth. We can pray for what God is doing on the other side of the earth. We can pray for that 1040 window. There's a website I would commend to you. It's called the joshuaproject.net. Um, that is where I got all the statistics from about the people groups and all of that. So go to joshuaproject.net. They have a daily prayer reminder for one unreached people group. So each day you could pray for an unreached people group. You could, with your kids, with your family, you can pray for the nations. You can pray for the missionaries. Um, Send, man, every one of us, we can find a missionary, one of our Bethel missionaries. Um, So this campus, the Hartsfields, they work in India. Do you know India is the country that has the most unreached people groups? That one country has thousands of the unreached people groups. So we can pray for the hearts filled. We can support them. And if you don't have the joy of financially partnering with one of our missionaries or any missionary, let me encourage you. That's the way you can be a world Christian. You can support financially one of our missionaries around the world. Um, you can welcome. So what does that mean? Right here in Tyler, Texas, at UT Tyler, TJC. Um, there are college students that are here from all over the world, international students. There's people uh, around town that are not from East Texas. You can tell, right? Make a friend. Invite them over. Be a welcomer. Every one of those people that are here in this country, um, they are connected to their home country. They have family. They have friends. And so if they come to know Jesus while they're here, then they can share that with their uh, they can share them with their um, family back home. So go on a mission trip. So Bethel takes mission trips um, every year all over the world. Um, as soon as COVID uh, is at least under control to the point where we'll start doing mission trips all over, um, man, I would love for you to go with me somewhere in the world. Uh, we get firsthand opportunity to love to send uh, support and care to our missionaries when we go. So short-term, go long-term. Maybe God is calling some of you to do your job in another country, right? So the way that missions is moving is um, business as mission. So whatever occupation, whatever profession you have, you can do your profession in another country as a part of the mission force. So maybe God's calling you to do that. Maybe he's calling you to move. I'd love to talk to you about that. Um, and then the last thing is mobilize. And what do I mean by that? I just mean, man, maybe, hopefully, you learned one thing And this morning as we talked. Tell somebody who's not here. Just share one thing that you learned this morning with somebody else, and that is mobilizing. That is um, telling other people about God's heart. So I will end there this morning with that encouragement, and be engaged. Your church, Bethel, we are engaged locally and globally. And each person in our church can be engaged locally and globally. Be uh, practicing these five habits of a world Christian. All right, let me pray for us and then we'll wrap up. Father, thank you for the privilege of seeing um, what you're about. Thank you that you... Invite us to be a part of your great mission. Your great purpose. Your global purpose to have worshipers filling the earth. The same heart that you gave Adam and Eve to fill the earth with worshipers you still have. And we want to be the type of people that do that. We want to be obedient to you. We want to be faithful to pray, to go, to send, Uh, to welcome and to mobilize others for your great global purpose. So thank you for giving us something worth living for, something beyond our own self. Help us to step out in faith and obedience. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, thank you guys um, for letting us step out of 1 John and jump into God's global purpose. so next week, Ricky will be back, and he'll finish up the uh, the next section of 1 John. So let me just say uh, welcome. Ricky, you want me to go ahead and wrap up, or you want to come do it? You're coming on up. Say. Okay. Stay with me. I'm with you, brother. Stay with me, bro. I was
1: going to let you wrap up and me not come, but I needed to come while you're still here and okay. say thank you so much. Ah, oh, yeah. For this. Uh, thank you for laying it all out for us biblically so that we can see God's vision for world missions and how he wants his name to be glorified all over the world. Amen. Thank you for that. Uh, so, and I want to also say, uh, I want all of us, I think we all want all of us, those of you that are part of this campus, maybe you're not, maybe you're visiting, to have a heart for what God has a heart for, and that is to serve and reach out and be his light here in our local community and also all over the world. The blessed thing, the, the great thing that is true about being a part of Bethel, Bethel Hope, is that we can plug in and do exactly that. Everything is there already. And so thank you so much, Jeff. I learned some stuff Uh, Good, (laughs) (laughs) that you've told me before, but I relearned it today. So thank you so much. I want to also encourage all of you, those five things that were at the end, uh, plug in somewhere to some of that, one or more of those things. A great opportunity to be God's light all over the world. Please do that. And I look so forward to when COVID is lightened up or behind us or whatever so that we can get back out there together. Amen. Uh, man, I tell you, if you want to go on a mission trip with this guy. <laughs> and my wife can tell you, she okay. we, this guy knows what he's doing as it relates to that. And he is such a blessing and a joy to work with. And so, uh, and it has such a heart for God's people all over the world. And so, thank you, Jeff, for that word today. Uh, before you go, don't don't try to leave me. Don't try to leave me. We're gonna. <laughs> there you come. Go. <laughs> we're gonna uh, together. We're gonna extend the two invitations to all of you that may be here. We want to extend number one. If you don't know Jesus, Jeff and I together are saying this to you. If you don't know Him. And he has been tugging at your heart to get to know him. Today will be a great time to do that. Uh, Don't leave without doing it. Uh, You have an opportunity here to do that today. Sam is standing by in the back. Jerry is in the back. And they can pray with you. And Jeff and I as well pray with you and lead you into that relationship. If you do happen to leave and don't do it, it's not too late. But we do encourage you to get to know Jesus in a personal and intimate way. Today would be a great day. Then secondly, if you've been visiting with us and you've decided to make Bethel Hope your home, we want to we want to walk you through that process as well. Jerry, Sam, Jeff, or myself, or Chris in the back in the booth can help you with that. He's waving. <laughs> uh, so don't leave here without doing either one of those. If you so desire, we want to give you that opportunity. Thank you, Jeff. You've already blessed us with the yeah. benediction and the final prayer. God bless you. Until we meet again, I will be, if the, if the Lord says the same, Amen. Somebody said, the Lord willing and the creek don't rise.